Tails, more well-established lesbian. Chapter 34 Everyone involved is sworn to secrecy. I'm in full party planner mode and I'm loving it because it's all about organisation and timings. I am problem solving left, right and centre. Budgetary constraints are forcing me to be creative. Honestly, the worst part of the whole thing is inviting folks, making sure I've asked all the right people. I want her surrounded by the faces she loves the most, even if I'm not their biggest fan. That said, Ravi's invite may have got lost in the post. The only thing I've got left to do is sort out my outfit. All of my furtive planning has coincided nicely with Ashley being absolutely slammed at work. The better she does, the harder she seems to work. She's been talking about a promotion and she has been going for it. Now Ashley only has two speeds, flat out or stopped. And from everything I can see, she deserves the promotion. Naively, I'm hoping it means a better work-life balance. Or, you know, at least a decent shift in the balance. Work hard and play hard is great, except, you know, when every time you stop for a rest or a holiday, you get sick. Like your body knows you didn't have time for it. Maybe when she gets promoted, she can relax a little. Ashley's birthday month begins with a bang. The promotion is all hers. It's a game changer. Like Ashley was already doing really well and this step up meant she'd be doing really well for herself. The official announcement wouldn't be made until the end of the month, but Renee and I weren't letting it go without a glass of something to celebrate quietly. Ashley was buzzing. This was the opportunity she'd been working for. She might not have been able to tell anyone, but if you knew Ash, you knew that her energy was up a good 20 or 30%. And Ashley was high energy to start with. The smile on her face just got that little bit bigger. Now, Renee had a tattoo booked in Camden and the rest of us decided to tag along because, uh, well, who doesn't love a mooch around Camden? I could already taste the slice of pizza I was gonna get. These slices were usually bigger than my head. I loved them. It wasn't until we walked out of the tube station that I realised that Camden would surely provide me with some costume inspiration. Now, as Renee was being tattooed, Ash, myself and Renee's mate, Smithy, whose name gives no indication of the leggy blonde bombshell you're about to meet, went a-wandering amongst the wonders of Camden. It feels like there's nothing you can't buy in Camden and a million things you want to buy and take home. I'm still never sure how I've managed to not buy a whole bunch of stuff I do not need from Cyberdog over the years. Actually, I take that back. I know exactly how I done it. Being broke really helps. Ashley is itching to get a tattoo for herself, but she hasn't quite decided what she wants or where she wants it. Somewhere between drinks and snacks and shopping, we discover a little stall doing spray on tattoos. Ashley haggles with the stall owner, getting us three for the price of two. I hate haggling, but I love watching Ash do it, and I'm very happy to benefit from her efforts. 
Me personally, I've haggled twice in my life and paid asking or over both times. Know your strengths, my friends. Know your strengths. <laughs> Ashley wants to try out one of her tattoo ideas. And Smithy, well, Smithy just wants to wind Renee up and pretend we've all gone and gotten friendship tattoos without her. I'm just quite happy to have her sit down in the wall. Our temporary tattoos in place. We continue the mooching. Inspiration is everywhere and my mind is running wild. But then I spot the first piece of the puzzle. It's a circus slash ringmaster's outfit. I'm thinking a slight Harold Ziegler vibe. As is always the case, nothing like it exists in my size. And if it does exist, it makes me look more like one of the Kingsmen who's escaped the verse of the nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty, than it does a ringleader. Smithy, though, turns out to be a godsend, and she's distracting Ash while I sneak off and check a few shops and stores I'd seen earlier. Now I've got a better idea. Everything I find is, like, close but no cigar. As I'm heading back to meet the girls, a store catches my eye. They've got every kind of classic hat on display and they all look proper as. But I only have eyes for one tall black number. Because of course, no ringleader would be complete without a top hat. I loved it the moment I put it on. I bought it there and then. Didn't even try and hide it from Ashley. Just told her I fancied one, so I'd bought one. I mean, not entirely a lie, just not entirely the truth either. As we waited in the pub for the return of Renee, I donned my top hat to show Ashley. She loved it, thought it was hilarious, but loved it. Smithy, on the other hand, couldn't wait for me to take it off. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. Renee arrived looking like she'd been through the ring as she just sat for like five hours and her new tattoo was pretty massive so we fed her up piled her into the car and took her home now renee renee was a vital part of the surprise party planning process her and ashley were thick as thieves and they worked in the same office in fact their desks were next to each other renee was my eyes and ears she was also the person who would be walking Ashley into the party because she'd be the one keeping her busy beforehand. And honestly, it'd be nice to have someone to bounce my ideas off. After all, the person I'd normally be bouncing my ideas off and whose opinion I really wanted, well, I couldn't tell her anything, could I? God, I hope she likes it. My outfit hunt is the only part of the situation that is not going well. I mean... Those budgetary constraints are really forcing me to think. The party is like a week and a half away and all I've got is a bloody top hat. And my birthday suit might have been a winner with the birthday girl, but I suspect more than one or two other guests might object. So I'm starting to plan my backup outfit, you know, thinking about what I can do with what I've already got. It's a burlesque slash costume party, you know, to make it easier for some of the guests. See, I've got plenty of wiggle room, but the ringleader outfit would work so well with the theme and with Ashley's outfit. 
I've got to find a way to make it work. But it feels like I'm going to need a miracle at this point because all of the lateral thinking in the world has gotten me nowhere. As I begin yet another search on eBay, Ashley reminds me that it's rehearsals night. Now I've taken to giving Ash a lift to and from rehearsals just to make life a little bit easier for her and, you know, to find a little bit of time in that evening for us to spend together. Normally, I drop and I run. But tonight, there's tea and cake on offer and while the tea holds no interest for me, hmm, I figure a bit of cake can't hurt. I'll slope off before they start practising their jazz hands. Ashley goes off to start rehearsals while I eat cake with the behind the scenes folks in the kitchen. Many of them have been invited to the party and ask how the planning's going. By the time I finish my second Mr Kipling slice, they've arranged access to the costume hut for me the very next day. And they meant it. The next afternoon, I strolled the length of this 25 foot hut, which had rail upon rail, of costume and period pieces and props. I mean, sizes were still a struggle, but considering I was about to be able to borrow it for free, I was willing to overlook the perfect fit at this point. A dress coat with a fine pair of tails sat well enough on my shoulders. And more importantly, it sat perfectly to show just a little bit of cleavage if I had some assistance of a spectacular push-up bra, of course, and just enough kind of cover to make it interesting. The cutaway at the front would allow me to show off my uh, abs and that V that cuts in from my hips. I'm thinking less shirt, more sexy. So my outfit issues are getting sorted. I don't know why I worried, because in the end, it had been a piece of cake. I got home and I tested my dress coat and bra theory. There was just one slight problem. Not a single one of my bras could be classed as sexy. I had every shade of white and black that you could imagine, all in various levels of comfortable and practical. I mean, it's not like I need a bra to hold them up. I mostly only ever wear one to keep the ladies warm, if you know what I'm saying. Burlesque was going to require something a lot sexier than my best Nike sports bra. I mean, it's not like I'm unfamiliar with lingerie. It's just that when I buy it, it's not for me. It felt very odd to be picking out a sexy lace number for myself. Now, it had to be red just like a ringleader's waistcoat. And I couldn't be having the big waistband on the pants with this outfit. Believe me, I checked. It did not work. So the bra needed to be accompanied by something a little sexier. And I went with a very lacy pair of French knickers. And if, if I can be honest, it looked pretty sexy if I do say so myself. But I can't lie to you, lace is not for me. And my appreciation of femmes in lingerie went up even more. At last is the day of the party. And I have a million things to do and pick up. And so Renee, Renee is on Ashley duty. There are 
very few moments when I feel sorry for your average bloke. But trying to do something nice for your girlfriend when you're a man or you're red as the man in the relationship, that's a moment when they get some sympathy from me. At every single turn, vendors seemed to be surprised at the effort I was putting in. It was like a bigger version of when you buy flowers and everyone asks you what you've done wrong. God forbid someone of a masculine persuasion shows an ounce of care and consideration and effort. (laughs) Now, once I'd collected the last of the party essentials, it was time to set up. This whole party was designed around Ashley's burlesque sort of outfit. Now it was a brilliant blue corset with details to die for. And it was worn with like a tutu feather bustle skirt. Doing the can-can seemed obligatory in this get-up. So between the Moulin Rouge and Cabaret influences, it was set to be a good night. Initially, I'd scoured London to find the best venue possible and then I'd stumbled across the perfect one just five minutes from our house. You see under the old town hall which was now a theatre a cellar club had survived with one of those gorgeous curved ceilings all cosy with a dark corner or two for the naughty. It's got a bar that I've stocked with all of our favourite drinks. The DJ has his instructions and requests. I've dressed every table. I've set out the party favours. Paul arrives to help me set up the pole in the middle of the dance floor. Between Ashley and her friends, a lot of pole dancing lessons are about to pay off. Now, Paul, who is in a long-term relationship, is making his usual inquiries about the women on the guest list. I point out it's kind of irrelevant due to his, well, girlfriend and the fact that he's bringing... He's just turned 18, little brother. He points out his girlfriend isn't attending. He doesn't say why, and he doesn't need to. She hates us. Doesn't like that we don't just stick to alcohol when we're having fun. Now, I have no issue with you not wanting to partake or be around people who are partaking, but I do have an issue with you when you think it makes you superior in some sort of way. And, even if she had deigned to attend, Paul wouldn't have wanted her to, because then he'd have had to behave himself in all kinds of ways. In a nice but direct way, I made it very clear to Paul that I would not appreciate him trying it on with any of Ash's friends. And we both knew I meant Renee and Smithy. He protested at the fact that I was warning him before he'd done anything. Welcome to the Minority Report, my friend. I know you. Don't do it. Expectations have been set. I take one last look around the room and I realise we're ready. I just can't wait to see the look on Ashley's face when she realises what's going on. I shoot home to get ready while Renee takes Ashley out for food. The only thing Ashley knows about tonight is that she needs to wear that outfit. I leave her a couple of new accessories for the outfit with a note telling her not to be too late. In fact, I tell her and Renee a time 30 minutes ahead of when I'd like them to be there. 
Sometimes it's the only way to go. You've got to manage the situation. <laughs> the guests start arriving and I start relaxing because it's a good showing. And everybody seems really impressed so far. Paul is keeping an eye out for Ash up at street level when he shouts down to me that Ashley's brother's here. Oh, I am surprised as hell. I mean, yes, I did invite him, but it didn't sound like he was going to come. And I definitely lost him a bit when I was trying to explain what burlesque was without, well, referencing his little sister's get-up. <laughs> he was one of the people who was very welcome to pick a costume. Any costume you like, I don't mind. And he had. At the top of the stairs was Ashley's brother Will, dressed as a pirate. Alright, dressed as a pirate might be overstating it, but he had definitely bought a pirate accessory pack and he was wearing every single bit of it, patch and all. Honestly, I was just so chuffed he'd come and made an effort. Ashley would be over the moon. Still, it's a bit awkward between Will and I. I mean, him and his brother don't love the fact that their sister is now an out and proud lesbian. I also get the impression they don't love the fact that I'm not one of those pretty lesbians, that their little sister is hooked up with a butch one. And Will doesn't love the fact that I politely declined to visit him in prison, where he ended up after making a series of increasingly stupid decisions. I mean, I think he gets why I didn't want to go anywhere near a prison, but still I think he was a little miffed about it. Whereas I saw it as my job to support Ashley while she supported him. Now in fact, since he'd been out, I had been all about helping him get back on his feet, get a job. We even talked of him moving out near us, you know, to get a fresh start, maybe even bring the kids out one day. So him, turning up, representing the family at Ashley's birthday, I scored him some big points with me. Even if it was the least he could do for his little sister, who'd given up her Saturday mornings every other week to go and visit him, and sent him money every week to keep his noodle supply up. I get him a drink. He's not as amused as I am when he orders a rum and coke. I'm saved from explaining pirate humour by a text from Renee. They've left, they're on their way, and they're only 10 minutes late by my timings. I mean, by their timings, they're like 40 minutes late, but we don't need to worry about that. It wasn't a perfect plan, and it hadn't been executed perfectly, but 10 minutes is nothing in Ashley time. That's practically on time. The birthday girl's big arrival goes brilliantly. She shrieks and screams with delight. She just doesn't know who to hug first. She looks so happy. Every now and again, you get these moments when you get to watch the one you love in a quiet, sort of observer kind of way. Standing off the side like I was that night, she became the only person in the room. She pulled focus and everyone else becomes a pretty blur in the background. I mean, you know the moments I mean on a night out where she's down the table with her friends throwing her head back and laughing, or when she's driving or watching a film and concentrating. She doesn't know you're looking and you can just appreciate her. Now, six years in, I know Ashley. So I know D 
this, she was not in the least bit surprised by the party or the venue. Definitely been surprised by some of the faces that were there, but she was not surprised at all by what was going on. Which means some fucker must have told her. I'm livid and I'm going to hide it well, but I swear to you, I will kill them tomorrow. Ashley is finally finished with her hellos and she comes to me beaming. She loves the whole thing and I breathe a sigh of relief. We hit the dance floor and get the party going and everyone is up and involved and it doesn't stop all night. I ask Ashley how Will is and she seems confused. She hadn't realised he was here yet. I'll look for him. He's still at the bar, rooted to the spot. I point him out and the poor man gets rush tackled by a blur of feathers. The party is a great success. Zoe is our official photographer for the night, so we won't ever be allowed to forget those outfits or those pole dancing attempts any time soon. In fact, the only downside of the whole night is the lad who keeps trying it on with everyone. I mean, he's just joking around, unless, you know, you want to. Even worse, it's Paul, who I specifically asked not to be a douchebag tonight. He won't listen because he's off the leash for the night and he doesn't see an issue with what he's doing. So whose problem is it really? I swear to you, I could have swung for him. Now I knew Ashley and her friends would not be ready to stop the party just because the venue had the audacity to close. So the house was stocked and ready for an after party. I was glad of the excuse of sorting out the venue to be able to hang back and breathe for a moment. As I tidied up, I tried to calm down. Paul and I didn't always see eye to eye on how we went about things, but I did expect him to show me and Ashley more respect than I'd seen from him tonight. We'd already had a situation involving him and our previous housemate, Sophie. Although, in Paul's defense, he did little to provoke or initiate that. I mean, he did not do it, but, in his defence, he didn't start it. And I might not like his snotty little girlfriend, but she deserved more respect than she was getting. But the cellar club returned to the condition they'd given it to me in, and their reassurances I'd be getting my deposit back, I headed home to join the after party. You could hear it before you could see it. And I was very glad I'd warned or invited the neighbours. I'd just spent the last 30 minutes picking up feathers from the floor of the club. And as I walked up the stairs to our house, it was clear I was going to be picking them up for days. Ashley's vigorous shaking of her tail feathers could not be withstood by the bustle, it seemed. They were fucking everywhere. Now me, I'm ready to relax and join the party properly. After everything is done and dusted, I now have some catching up to do because everybody else is very ahead of me right now. Everyone was slowly shedding elements of their costumes. There were like eyelashes all over the places, wigs over here, heels kicked off over there. And those who'd booked a floor space were already contemplating continuing the party 
in their pyjamas. Now, when I said I'd stocked the house, I told you no lies. The kitchen was now a full self-service bar. There were snacks and sweets galore. Not forgetting that I'd arranged the cabs to collect them from the kebab shop because I knew I wasn't getting Ashley home without stopping for chips. And for those who did like to indulge or partake, we had a healthy supply of fun stuff literally lined up on the glass coffee table. As I say, something for everyone. But for some reason, Paul has taken it upon himself to play distributor, sitting beside the coffee table, acting like some sort of benevolent Scarface on our dime. I don't recall him chipping in. I can't work out who he's acting up for. Is it any of the women present or is it just his little brother? Whoever it's for, he's really annoying me. I get his girlfriend doesn't let him have any fun at all. But this whole, oh yes, I'm free attitude is doing my head in. I mean, is it any wonder she hates us when he always comes home from hours hanging out of his arse? Obviously now is not the time to discuss it. I'm finally starting to relax and he's off his face or at the very least he can't feel it anymore. It would be wasted breath. Besides, the night is pretty much done. People are starting to claim their sleeping spaces as we creep into the really, really early hours of the morning. I take Ashley to bed and remind her how good she looked in that corset. The house doesn't stir again until the afternoon. One or two people had sloped off relatively early doors, but there were still a lot of cups of tea to be made first thing. And there was a very weird atmosphere in the living room. Something more than just the general Sunday morning suffering. Paul was especially quiet, which is always suspicious, and left quickly once the house started to stir. Marie had slept on the other sofa to Paul. Maybe she knew what was up, but Marie was not in the mood for conversation. And she wouldn't, or couldn't, look me in the face. She didn't want to talk, but Marie did not look like she was ready to leave any time soon. Now, she's Ash's mate, so I'll decide to leave this one to her. Everyone else has left, and Ashley has finally emerged from her coma and our bedroom, and is somewhat demanding pizza, which I have no problem with, I agree. And so off I go to summon pizza, and I decide to take a very hot shower. I'm feeling pretty pleased with myself. I mean, you know, last night has gone off without a hitch and everyone seemed to have a great time. I was ready. Bring on the sofa. I wanted to bask in my momentary glory whilst enjoying a stuffed crust. So ready to put my feet up and get cosy with Ashley. But back in the living room I go and Marie, she's still here. And she's still in my spot. And she's also in tears. Maybe it's the big fat come down, or maybe I'm just an insensitive ass. But all I could think was, there goes my Sunday afternoon. And I'm definitely going to have to share my pizza, aren't I? I attempt to back quietly out of the room, 
but Ashley gives me a look that I just know means I better sit my ass down. I don't know how, but this look also manages to tell me that somehow, whatever's going on, this is my problem too. I don't know much about Marie. I know she's got the voice of a goddamn angel and she is utterly spellbinding to listen to. The only other thing I know about her is she recently got engaged to her army boyfriend, who seems like an absolute arsehole if you were to ask me, but totally not my business. So I'm assuming this has something to do with him because he does seem to make Marie cry on a semi-regular basis. Apparently nobody wants to give me a previously on style catch-up, so I just wait until somebody says something that makes some sorts of sense. The pizza shows up and I bring it into the room and I hear Marie say, it just sort of happened. Ash shoots me another look. Marie continues, his brother was in the room as well. And the penny drops. Paul and Marie fucked in our living room last night, all while his poor brother tried to grab a couple of hours kip on the floor. Marie doesn't know whether or not she should tell her fiance. She's in bits. And I, I am so fucked off with Paul for shitting where I eat. Now in my mind, that's like three strikes in less than 24 hours. I am so angry with him, I can't even bring myself to talk to him. I have had to apologise for his behaviour too many times now. I've felt embarrassed by his behaviour too many times. And I don't want other people to judge me by his actions or to think our values are the same. I get so angry, I kind of, I go past it into that weird sort of calm but angry space. My dad has been like this with me once. When I lost my house keys after being adamant I was responsible enough not to lose them, he did that whole I'm so angry, it's kind of like scary, calm situation. And now, now that's where it felt like I was. Paul's little brother had lost part of his Austin Powers costume at the party. Paul called me looking for it, asking if I could go back down the venue and check. The costume hire place were threatening to charge his little brother 50 quid if they didn't find it. Now Paul did get short shrift from me, but uh, I did at least call the venue to check. After all, I did like his little brother and he'd behaved impeccably. I don't even know if Paul knew he'd pissed me off or just assumed he had, but things go quiet between us. In my mind, I'm pretty much done with our friendship. It's kind of weird how you'll part with someone being a dick to you for ages, but if they then do it to someone else you care about, your tolerance gets real low, real quick. And I'd excused a lot of his behaviour due to the age difference between us. You know, Paul was more than a few years younger than me. It's not quite a decade that separated us. But excusing it didn't mean I wanted to be around it anymore. And since he'd started dating her, it felt like there were two versions of Paul. This well-behaved one, which he seemed to reserve for the snooty girlfriend and her rich parents, and then the rest of us got this other version where he seemed to let out all the stuff he couldn't be in front of her. It hurt, the thought of not having him as a best mate in my life. 
As you well know, friends, I've been on all sides of a breakup, but uh, breaking up with a friend, yeah, those are the worst kind of breakups. You know, I was as sad as I was angry. Ashley didn't love Paul. She tolerated him for me. But she listened as I switched between being mad as hell at him and being absolutely gutted that he couldn't just come correct for once when it mattered to me. It felt like another one-way street. And then, exactly a week after Marie had been sat on my sofa crying over being unfaithful with Paul, he calls to tell me that he's proposed and she is now his snooty fiance. He wants to know if I'll be his best man. A scenario that we have talked about many, many times. It is, after all, one of the ultimate suit-up occasions. Ultimate suit-up occasion or not, I can't do it. I can't stand next to him and watch him marry her and not say a word. He's proposed a week after getting into bed with another woman. And I'm supposed to write a speech about the happy couple? I don't think so. And I thought they were a terrible match before he shagged Marie. I declined his offer and we didn't talk for a while, unsurprisingly. And the shift away from angry continued and moved into sad. Like mentally I was in the sweatpants and ice cream phase of the breakup. I was sulking and wallowing. I can't say I was conscious of it, but Ashley obviously was. And she ran out of patience with Paul and hated seeing me sad. So she decided to try and sort it out. Ashley calls Paul. And the first I know about it was when Ashley bursts into the living room brandishing a phone at me. I've told him to apologise, she says to me, and hands over the phone. I'll take it. Not entirely sure who to expect on the other end. Hello, I ask. You need to control your woman, mate. It doesn't matter who said what after Paul uttered these words to me. We were done. You do not talk to me like that. And you sure as shit do not refer to my fiancé as your woman. He's not coming back from now. And Paul and I don't talk again. Ashley feels awful, like she's caused it, but it becomes clear that all she's done is tell him how I felt, something I probably should have done myself, but nothing she'd said was a lie. I mean, she was absolutely not the right person to try and mediate or deliver that message, even if that had been something I wanted. But all Ashley had done was accelerated the process. But we did have a chat about asking if I'd like some help with my battles before she goes wading in. You know, I appreciated where the fight came from, though, and I appreciated why she was doing it. Just maybe ask next time. That's all I was saying. Now, we'd already been considering getting away to celebrate Ashley's impending promotion. You know, get a bit of peace and quiet before she starts the new role. And I could really do with clearing my head, if I'm honest. I want to go back to the scenes of my childhood holidays in the west of Wales. I mean, it is a coastline to die for. And I'd really like to visit my favourite place on earth, if at all possible. 
So we find a beautiful cottage with views from every window. I can't wait to spend the weekend just keeping that log burner going. You know, making fire so much in my humble opinion. Ash and I are so looking forward to everything that is to come. Like the plan is sort of coming together. You know, it just feels like we're doing really well. And then of course, with absolutely no warning, someone drops a match in a powder keg and the whole thing blows up. We've only got a week or two to go before we can escape to the cottage. And one day we're at work and Ashley calls me in the middle of the morning. She's been fired. Well, suspended pending disciplinary proceedings. She's saying something about gross misconduct. It's so far removed from something that would happen to Ash that I'm convinced she has to be joking. She's not. She's driving home right now at 11.30 in the morning. You know, I still can't quite believe it. You know, Ashley is the original teacher's pet in so many ways, like mostly in work mode. But overall, she is kind of a slightly annoying goody two-shoes. You know, I don't even think Ash got a detention at school and it becomes clear as she's driving home and talking to me that she's never in her life had a disciplinary meeting, let alone been sacked or suspended. Ashley might be in shock now, but angry, angry was coming. Hello, how do? It's lovely to have you back with me once more. Hope things are good. Now this week, this week it was International Podcast Day and to celebrate, I finally joined TikTok. So that's one more place that you can find me with some lovely caption videos, as well, of course, as all my stuff on Instagram too. And don't forget, you could just check out the website, wellestablishedlesbian.com. If you're looking for me on anywhere other than Facebook, just type in wellestablishedlesbian and you should find me or the show. Now, talking of the show, if you enjoy it being ad-free, please consider subscribing or donating to help cover the costs. I mean, if you donate or subscribe for a pound a month, that's like 25p an episode. Like, I just did maths for you. That alone is surely worth like a pound. Come on. Um, but if you've got no money, as I have often found myself in that situation, there's no problem. Please just keep listening. You know, if you can, go and leave a review somewhere or just tell a friend about the show. Anything you can do really helps. And don't forget, you guys can connect with other listeners and discuss the show in the subreddit r slash t-o-a-w-e-l. Thanks, as always, for the privilege of your time. And whatever you get up to this week, have a great one. Take care of you.